Hey, good morning again, and welcome back to uh, the Living Hope Wesleyan Church podcast, where we try to provide you with some great resources and uh, incredible minds that can just help us grow in our faith and become better disciples, one of which is the one, the only, Brian K. Dodd. Brian, welcome back. It is good to be back, Jeff. How are you, my friend? We're doing well. Um, I just wanted to touch base with you on a few points, but I remember for Pastor Appreciation, this was, what, two years ago or before COVID, so maybe mm-hmm. two or three years ago, uh, they read from your book, Timeless, a part of what pastors give and invest. When you wrote the book, Timeless, do you remember that part about uh, how to appreciate pastors and why is it important to recognize all that pastors do? You know, I- Jeff, that is a a great question, Um, and I don't get to talk about that particular subject very often. So let me, especially for the people in your church who read that section of the book, let me give you a little background. You know, when you read online content, you know, churchleaders.com and, you know, any anything from, you know, Barna Group, I, I mean, pastors just get ripped online you know, and talking about everything they're not doing right and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, one day I was speaking to a group of pastors in Asheville, North Carolina. I'll never forget it. And I I got up that morning and just read one of those articles. And for some reason, it just hit me wrong. And so what happened was I, I got up in front of that group and I just said, you know what? I've read another one of these articles. Let me tell you what. I just want to I just want to say thank you. If nothing else you hear from me today, I want to say thank you. And then I just started rolling. You know, thank you for your preparation. Thank you for living below your means as it relates to your education and your compensation. Thank you for your callous knees and praying for us. Thank you that on life's greatest momentous occasions, weddings and funerals and baby dedications and all those mile markers of life. There's always a pastor in the, in the picture. And I just kept going and going and going. Well, they loved it. Hmm. So then I, I had, I spoke to several more groups after that and I did the same thing and they loved it, which by the way, tells you how much pastors need encouragement just as a very basic premise. But then when I wrote the book, there was that chapter in Timeless on one of the things that Apex leaders do is they help make other people better. They bring out the best in people. So I actually took that speech and put it in the book. And here's the funny thing, Jeff. Um, When you're going through the editing process of a book, so here's pulling the curtain a little bit back on the book writing process there's kind of a negotiation you do with your editor. You know, when the editor makes suggestions, you want to say yes as often as possible so that when there's something you really want or you don't want to change, you've earned the right to say no. So there is a little back and forth there. The editor actually wanted to take that out of the book. And here's why. Uh, They said, now, Brian, in Timeless, it's really kind of a broad leadership book. You know, it applies to everybody. But when you get to that portion of the book, there's like five pages that are just for pastors. And if you're not a pastor, you may not be able to relate to those five pages. Luckily, Jeff, 
I had I had put in so many yeses and done so many <laughs> corrections that I said, you know what, I I want to keep that one. I, I want that. You can check it for grammar, but I want to from a contextual standpoint. I want to keep that one. And she goes, well, you're the artist, and sometimes you relate to the artist. And I'm like, okay, but but I had built up enough goodwill. And the interesting thing, Jeff, is it has turned out to be the most read and the most popular portion of that entire book. So, And I'm certainly glad you did. And again, uh, on Instagram, it's Brian Dodd on Leadership. Instagram, it's at Brian Dodd on Leadership. But we're talking about the book Timeless. And uh, I know for myself, as many pastors, uh, the past two years have been interesting. We had people leave the church because I got the vaccine. We had people leave the church because I did not mandate everyone got the vaccine. So I've gone back and read that uh, part of Timeless again and again, just at a personal level. But for you, whether personally or what you've seen clergy go through, endure over the last year and a half, have you been reminded of the inner strength or the calling of God pastors have to give and share continually? Or have you seen pastors kind of be revealed that it was done in their own strength and now they flounder or uh, have, have made poor decisions through the last two years? Yeah, I, I think uh, if there's anything good that came out of COVID, and you always want to be very careful with that because so many people lost their lives. And I mean, you just want to be very sensitive with your with your language on that. But there was a pruning process that happened in the church that both at a both at a clergy or pastoral level, it it, it revealed who had true callings and who didn't yeah. um, on the congregant level or the attendee level. It, it really revealed who was passionate about their relationship with Christ and, you know, who did it as just an app, you know, an add on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I think both on a leadership level and an attender level and even, you, you know, in between your volunteer leaders, it it, it kind of separated, you know, the people really committed to the mission and vision and people that, okay, this was just a nice activity that I can, you know, I'll do one month on, one month off and just rotate in and out. No, it's it separated everybody. Uh, so, yeah, I think there was an incredible pruning process. And here's the thing about it. From the churches I talk to and the churches that I deal with, you could make a very strong argument that churches are stronger now than they were pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Because everybody that's there is heavily bought in. Right, right. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think you're spot on with that with that thought process. And then, Brian, I do want to uh, bring people to your uh, website, briandoddonleadership.com. Brian Dodd, and there's uh, several Ds in there, but there are two back-to-back, briandoddonleadership.com. It says that you're one of the top 100 speakers on leadership. When we talk about all things leadership, people that are uh, trying to be resilient, people that are tired, fatigued. How important is it for you to make sure that you're intentional about getting your rest, but also trying to move forward from uh, not becoming stagnant? Great question. So uh, there are really, when you're talking about leadership and you're talking about self-leadership, self-care, personal growth, all of that that you're talking about, there's wrapped into that question. There's leader development and leadership development. 
and I actually talk about this in Timeless. Leadership development, Jeff, is what most people generally think of. That's listening to podcasts, reading books, going to conferences, working on your skills, uh, purchasing a coaching course, you know, any, any of those type of things. What that really is referring to is developing the skills, talents, and abilities so that you can accomplish a task or assignment given to you by God. Hmm. Leader development is becoming the type of person who can accomplish a skill, task, or assignment given to you by God. Those are two completely different things. And so what happens, Jeff, is somebody says, hey, can you believe so-and-so fail? You know, if there's a moral failure or something like that. And from a pragmatic side, I absolutely I can believe it. Because what happens is if you work on your, if all you do is work on your skills, talents, and abilities, your leadership development, and you don't work on your character, becoming the type of person who can actually carry out that task or assignment, then your skills, talents, and abilities will take you to a place your character can't sustain you. Uh, So smart leaders, experienced leaders, lasting leaders, leaders that are making the ultimate difference, uh, leaders that prevailed during 2020 and 2021, they prioritized leader development as much as they did leadership development. Hmm. And I'm going to really make it very simple for the leaders on that. Uh, one of the best things you can do for your leader development is your daily quiet times. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we overcomplicate leadership and genius is making the complicated simple, not the simple complicated. And if you get up first thing in the morning and you spend 30 to 30 minutes to an hour with God right out of the gate in your day, that frames the day for you. That prioritizes your day. That reminds you that, you know, ultimately what this is about is God, a person and an assignment. There's things God wants to get done on earth. And through leaders, he's given you the privilege of having a leadership assignment to carry out that, you know, that that thing God wants done. What God wants done is going to get done whether you're involved or not. God gives us the privilege of being a part of it. So you have to be the type of person worthy of that calling and worthy to steward that calling. And yes, daily quiet times is, in my mind, 95% of the battle. You have a good friend, uh, Andrew Maves. He's a pastor. And he says, Jeff, God does not need you, but he wants to use you. And I think that keeps me humble, but in my place as well. Uh, excuse my ignorance. I kind of miss the whole uh, Mars Hill uh, church growth, but I have been intrigued by the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast. Um, whether speaking directly to Pastor Driscoll and what took place at Mars Hill, when you hear of some of these big names that have had a controversy around them, for you speaking with not just Christian audiences, but others as well approaching you about leadership, when they bring up these examples, how should a Christian respond? Okay. First of all, this is an interesting question because I think me and you are the only Christian leaders who have not listened to the Mars Hill podcast. Okay. (laughs) The rise and fall of Mars Hill. Uh, To be honest, I'll tell you why I didn't listen to it. I don't think, uh, I work for a parachurch organization as well, Enjoy Stewardship Solutions. Okay, we help churches fund their mission and vision. Christianity Today would be classified as a parachurch organization. Okay, I do not see how 
um, glorifying that particular story advances any gospel initiative whatsoever. Hmm. Um, I mean, you could uh, you could argue that, hey, please learn from the lessons that they did. Well, it's not presented that way, you know. Um, so, yeah, you and I are probably only two who didn't listen to it. That's why <laughs> that's why I didn't listen to it. Um, here's the thing. Whenever somebody, quote unquote, falls, there by the grace of God go I. I am as equally capable of making the exact same decisions that that person made, whatever those decisions would have been. Whether it's being an abusive bully from a leadership perspective, moral failures, um, you know, uh, financial improprieties, not reporting injustices, I'm I'm as equally capable. So is everybody. You know, we are all as equally capable of making those decisions, and it should be a reminder to drive us to our knees and bring us to a point of humbleness. That there, by the grace of God, go I, and also drive me back to those daily quiet times and keep working on my leader development, or I may have a similar story to tell myself if I'm not careful. And now, probably not comparison, but I guess I'll use the word as a point of comparison, John Maxwell, someone that you've worked alongside, that he's kind of been a mentor to so many, and he is getting older in age, and so his reputation, his character, keeps growing in a positive way. If you were to contrast some of the stories you've heard of the negative examples of those in leadership versus that of John Maxwell, is it simply John's walk with God that makes John C. Maxwell so uh available for god to use and impact so many yeah absolutely i'll tell you a story about john um i went to work for enjoy um because john was my spiritual hero and i was privileged enough to get to work for him for a number of years before he sold our particular portion of the company here's the here's the greatest compliment i can give john maxwell john maxwell was my spiritual hero before i went there John Maxwell is my spiritual hero today. Wow. Yeah. So when I've seen behind the curtain and how the sausage is made and all that kind of stuff, you know, the reality is sometimes the bloom can come off the rose, you know, and John has done nothing but go up in, in my eyes. And here's the one thing I, I would, if I could say one thing about John and somebody says, what's the number one thing you learned from him? It ain't public speaking or how to write books or, you know, principles on leadership or anything of that nature. What most people don't know about John Maxwell is John Maxwell is the most generous man I've ever met. Hmm. And what I've told people, I'll never forget. I was at a conference and I'm not going to give you the name of the conference because as I just (laughs) stated, that doesn't advance the gospel or anything. So, uh, but I was at a conference And I was doing a breakout session and I announced where I was from and um, a a gentleman, an older gentleman stood up and he goes, "Um, well, if this is John Maxwell, I'm leaving because he just makes so much money. And Jeff, it just hit me wrong. And I guess I was just in a state of carnality or something. (laughs) I kind of, I said, sir, can can I ask you a question? I said, yes, John, John Maxwell is very wealthy. Okay. Uh, no, no, no debate, no doubt on that. Uh, do you know how much he gives away? 
because do you believe that you can't outgive God? So before I said it in the room, and I don't know what came over me. Thank, <laughs> hey, this is a terrible joke. Thank goodness Will Smith wasn't in the audience. But <laughs> I, I just said, before you ever question how much somebody makes, you first need to answer how much they give away. Hmm. And um, John Max, so if you, if you truly are an individual who believes you can't outgive God, and you compound that over 50 years, what does that look like? Yeah. Well, every book's a bestseller. You know, uh, it looks like John Maxwell. Yeah. And so uh, I, I've not been nearly as generous as John Maxwell. He has certainly raised the bar very, very high on that. Matter of fact, over my shoulder, you can see my John Maxwell bo bobblehead ball there. <laughs> um, but I, I just, yeah, John will always have a special place in my heart. I love John Maxwell. I love talking about working for him. I love promoting his work. I still today get to be involved in some things that he does, which is always a joy uh, with the John Maxwell company and anybody who listens to John or buys any of John's content or material. Uh, trust me, you're, you're getting it from the real deal. And again, on Twitter, it's Brian K. Dodd, Brian K. Dodd on Twitter. The website is briandoddonleadership.com, briandoddonleadership.com. You have a uh, ministry leader or a leadership course there, the two-minute yeah. leader. Mm -hmm. And could you just speak about that? Uh, and I know that we've talked about Timeless already, but just when it came to writing, is this something that you always wanted to do? Did you need a coach to help you writing? Just when you put all this stuff together, the content together, uh, how easily did it manifest itself? And with the two-minute leadership course, uh, talk to us a little bit about that as well. Yeah, so I'll tell you about the two-minute leader coaching course. That is actually from my first book, The Two-Minute Leader. So Timeless is my second book. Two-Minute Leader is my first book. And so what we did, The Two-Minute Leader, uh, it's the 10 uh, indispensable practices of the two-minute leaders, the full name of the book. So what the 10 practices are, is when God puts something in your heart that you want to do great for him, plan a church, write a book, start a family, launch a business, whatever it may be, whatever God plants in your heart, what's the steps and processes to seeing that become reality? That's the 10 steps. So step number one is dreaming, that thing that God's put in your heart and you're dreaming for that to come true. Step 10 is celebrating celebrating the dream becoming reality. And then you got everything in between. Okay. All the steps in between. So what we did is we actually made that a coaching course. It's almost like a master class. You get 11 modules. The first one's going to be, uh, the first one's going to be the introduction, but then each chapter and each step has like a 15 to 20 minute coaching video. Uh, we uh, give you a PDF of the book. We put study guides and study questions with each module, downloadable resources, and we priced it at $37 because we literally just want to get it in the hands of as many people as possible. So we made it very affordable. And uh, and yeah, so that was a real dream to go back to your question. When I first started writing, I had no idea anything like what has become would happen. Hmm. I just knew 
back around 2006, seven, I wanted to write a book. I just wanted my name on something. You know, I just wanted, okay, heaven and earth may pass away, but in the library of Congress is going to be my <laughs> name. Okay. I just, I just wanted something with my name on it, that I accomplished something in this world and had made a stamp on it. Well, I read a book called Killing Cockroaches by Tony Morgan. And it's a great church leadership book. And I just, Tony Morgan's one of the smartest people you'll ever encounter. I love Tony Morgan. Um, but his book, Killing Cockroaches, I read it. And it's, it was like a compilation of his best blog post. And I remember thinking, I cannot sit down and crank out 50 to 100,000 words. But I can write 500 a day. Hmm. So when I actually started BrianDottonLeadership.com, it was to write a book. Every mm -hmm. blog post was going to be a section of a book. Okay. Um, and then you just get into it and things take on a life of their own. And as both a writer and a speaker, and you're a pastor, so you get this, you find your voice and you find your audience. Yeah. And how you start out and where you wind up are rarely the same places, <laughs> rarely the same places. And I certainly would, would be the epitome of that. I am what I dreamed way back in 08. I remember my first tweet was when Tom Brady blew out his knee in the opening game of the NFL season yeah. back in 08. And I just put on there, no matter who you are as a leader, you get injured they cart you off the field. The game goes on. Strong yeah. warning for pastors. That was the first tweet I ever did. That was the first time I generated any online content. So then ultimately we get a, we get a website going, which was designed just to write a book. Well, then out of that came the two-minute leader. Out of that came Timeless. Uh, out of that came a coaching course. There's obviously been, you know, uh, you know, we've started a podcast kind of like you and, you know, a third book's come out of it. And the reality of it is I could never with any integrity give any give anything close to a goal setting seminar or, OK, here's your path from this to that or anything like that, because what God's done with the content uh, has been beyond anything I would have ever dreamed. I just wanted my name on something. And that was it. I mean, can I be honest, Jeff? Pure yeah. insecurity. Let's just call it what it is. <laughs> well, I'm glad God yeah. used that insecurity. Exactly. And, uh, just open these doors for you to use your voice and what God's uh, done in your life, what you've been able to experience through who Jesus is. Um, one interesting point is you had the opportunity to interview Jeff Perlman. He's a well-known sports author. So yep. before we talk about that interview, I just want to break away from this kind of, you enjoy sports. I love sports. For you, where did that joy of sports come from? Just as a kid. I mean, it's your standard. It's your standard. Every day you played ball in the yard from the time you got up to the time you went to bed and, you, you know, just enjoyed watching it on TV. I started watching sports in the 70s. So, you know, this will date me, but the steel curtain, Roger Stahl back in the Cowboys, OJ Simpson as a football player, you know, 
the Big Red Machine. I remember baseball when the only game was the game of the week at 2 o'clock on the afternoon on a Saturday. And, boy, did you live for the All-Star game because all yeah. these players you read about in box scores that you never saw, you got to see them in the All-Star game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and then as a kid, since there wasn't much on TV, you was out in the yard playing. And so that's where it came from. Well, I remember my parents, and they did, and I think it was good as well. However, we did not have cable television, so my dad would not let us watch sports on Sunday. And that was one of the few days you could actually watch sports without cable television was on Sunday. But uh, I'm all the better for it, I guess. Um, when I look at uh, Jeff Perlman, his books, I see that you are a voracious leader. And I remember at the conference where I met you, I believe it was a book about Roy Williams where you said yeah. to get an appointment with him would be very difficult, but to pick up a book about his life, his principles, his strategy, you can learn so much from reading. Was that something that you always enjoyed reading? Did your parents pay you to read like John Maxwell when he was younger? Where did that knowledge come from where if I read, I can save money and time, but still learn the same valuable principles? This is a great lesson, Jeff. And look, I'm loving this interview because all of my other interviews are like kind of standard. I mean, I'm talking about <laughs> Two Minute Leader and Jeff Perlman and Timeless. And this is a great interview. So we could be here. for Yes. But I, I'm a perfect example of you're never too old to keep growing hmm. and learn. I did not start reading until my late 30s, early 40s. Hate it. I, I mean, I just, you, you know, I, I just did not. I, I'll never forget. Um, I would read like magazines, USA Today, you know, because I was traveling and, you know, that kind of thing. And I had a, a, a supervisor by the name of Dave Sutherland. And I was leading a department for for uh, for one of John Maxwell's companies. And Dave Sutherland comes in and he goes, Brian. I'm reading in Sports Illustrated about why Kenny Phillips is playing as a freshman. Now, for the for the listeners who don't know who Kenny Phillips is, he was the number one high school player in the nation. He went to the University of Miami. He was a defensive back. He started as a freshman, and he ultimately was a first-round draft pick and played for a number of years with the New York Giants. Okay, But he was a freshman at Miami at the time. Dave Serling comes in very passionately. And he's like, do you know why Kenny Phillips is playing as a freshman? Preparation, Brian, preparation. Are you preparing your team as well as Kenny Phillips is preparing himself to be able to play and perform? I mean, he's just all passionate. He's frothing at the mouth. And, you know, I mean, he's just working himself into a lather. And I'm going, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And Dave leaves. And I remember sitting at my desk and I'm going, I, I read Sports Illustrated. And I also read USA Today, and I also read Inc. Magazine and Fast Company. Um, and I do occasionally read, you know, one of John's books. I should pull leadership principles from everything I read. Hmm. And so that's where it started. And then, you know, reading and learning is a muscle. Yeah. And the more you start that practice okay a simple magazine idea wasn't good enough after a while i got to get a book you know 
and then a book ain't good enough after a while. You need a library, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, you just, you, you start working that muscle. And the thing about learning is this, the Bible is very, very interesting and it is so shallow. Anybody can wade into it, but it's so deep. You'll never hit the bottom. Hmm. Learning's a lot like that. The more you learn, the more you know you don't know. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, I you'll learn something. You'll go, well, why did that happen? I now got to learn why that happened. And well, then you, you then you start you start that very positive cycle at that point. Well, that's definitely the truth. And I want to get to your newest book, uh, 2021, The Year in Leadership. And I have to admit, when I first heard the title, I was thinking, not that it was arrogant because I know who you are, but for me, I was like, it was not the year in leadership for me. It was the year of survival. It was the near year of starting over. It was the year of trying to find a connection with somebody or allow a connection that I thought I had a strong one to go uh, without, to, to, to let it go with grace. I think that was probably the best way to put it. But for you, sure. 2021, the year in leadership, this talks a ton about of all aspects, whether it's sports, business. Um, did you just find yourself in the middle of the pandemic needing something to do or where did this come from? You know, this conversation uh, is now coming full circle. So I, I thank you for the questions you've asked earlier that I don't normally get asked. That that concept of writing blogs every day that would turn into a book never left me. Hmm. This is the book I always wanted to write. And I'll tell you this from a business standpoint, you know, I self published this book and here's why I did it. I, I get it. I, I understand publishers. I use publishers for my first two books. Wonderful experience. Would highly recommend both them as an organization, those as organizations and just the process. Uh, wonderful. Nothing negative at all to say. Very positive. Here's the thing about books. Most people, if they publish a book, it's either like a lawyer making a case like, hey, we want to talk about a subject and now let's build our thesis on that subject or our hypothesis on that subject. Uh, or they're telling a narrative. They're telling a story. Well, if you write about leadership every day, there's there's no narrative and each day and each chapter can stand on itself differently. You know, like for one day, I may write out, since we're both big sports fans, Andy Reid's courageous decision in the 2001 divisional playoff game against the Cleveland Browns and how he made that decision. Yeah. That's a blog post that even though it's about football it's not really about football it's about decision making hmm. and how do you make decisions so but i may be writing about sports that day and the next day i may be writing something about black widow the movie and then the next day i may be writing about some event that happened somewhere in the world so the only common thread through the whole year is it's a chronological look through the year but everything does rise and fall on leadership. So the beauty of this book is, number one, you can jump from subject matter to subject matter, things that interest you. But every there's no fluff in the book at all. You know, one thing about a book, too, is, is publishers and editors want a certain word count. Yeah. 
So here's another pulling the curtain back. There's a lot of filler in books. Hmm. This book is 200 pages of hardcore leadership every single page. And every single page will make leaders better. And it is my best blog post throughout the entire year of 2021. They've been slightly edited to put in the book form. But uh, but yeah, it starts in January and just walks through the end of the year. And um, I think it's a book that every there's something in there for everybody. No matter what you lead or where you're at in life, there's something in there for everybody. And also tell people, how much is a good idea worth? Yeah. If you could get one good idea that would make you or your organization better, how much financially is that worth? Well, for $16.49 on Amazon or $7.99 if you get a Kindle, every page has multiple good ideas and multiple examples that'll make you better. And if you do any public speaking, a pastor, you lead like a Monday morning staff meeting at work, you're a coach that does pregame speeches or anything, there's over 80 stories and illustrations in there that you can use with the lessons from them that will equip you to be a better leader and equip your people to be better at whatever their task or assignment is. And Brian, I just want to go back and something that you said earlier in the question in it is just the observation as well, that uh, you look for things to bring in leadership principles. It's not where you try to come up with a leadership principle and say, oh, I need to find an illustration for it. It's kind of like, hey, you read the Bible, then you see the Bible come to life where some people say, hey, I have this point that I think I believe. I want the Bible to prove my point. Where did that intentional thinking come from? Was it hard to develop? Did it come naturally where you just saw or read stories and you're like, wow, that's actually about decision making. It's not about football. Yeah. So let's go back to that story with Dave Sutherland. Okay. John Maxwell in the book, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. There's something called the law of intuition (laughs) that leaders see everything through a leadership bias. Okay. I am part of the John Maxwell tree. Me, Brad Lominick, Dan Ryland, Tim Elmore. I could I could rattle off a bunch of names. Okay, we're all from the John Maxwell tree. I can tell you what branch I'm from. And I'm from the branch of the law of intuition. Hmm. And it started with Dave Sutherland. And so what happens is once you, once again, once you start using that muscle, you can't turn it off. You know, my wife will go, can we just not go to a movie and just watch a movie? Or can we just not watch something on TV? Or can we, you know, she's just, no, you know, the, the, the problem is it's like an, you're like an X-Men at that point. Yeah. You, you got to learn how to control your power, you know? Um, but, but yeah, you do look for leadership in everything. And, you know, I was involved in an interview yesterday, so he was asking me the difference between a critical eye and, you know, critical as in making something better and criticism. Yeah. And how do you how you know, how do you define the difference on that when you see everything through a leadership grid? So we talked about that a little bit. But uh, but, yeah, here's the thing. Once you start any habit about 30 days in, it's pretty locked in good or bad. So I've now been processing things through leadership, through a leadership lens intentionally for over 15 years. Hmm. 
So the reality is it, it kind of comes pretty easy and pretty natural to me right now. Uh, but my poor wife and daughter just say a prayer for them. You know, they, they, they have to live with that. So, well, you've definitely put in your uh, 10,000 hours, right? And so you can do that going a little bit granular, uh, more so. Do you take notes? Like, if you're watching a movie, do you take notes and different things, or do you just have a memory that you uh, will write it down following? No, absolutely. Yeah. I it, let, let's take a movie. Okay. Uh, so at the time of that, we're recording this, I saw Morbius about a week or so ago. Okay. Yes. I literally take a pen and a, a little notepad into the movie and I just make notes in the dark. And, mm -hmm. you know, the challenge is, can you read your own handwriting when you're writing <laughs> in the dark? But yeah, I literally take notes in the dark and I'll come home and I'll process them. Books are easier because obviously I'm making notes in the books, you know, so so the books are much easier. Uh, but let me let me tell everybody here. Here's the secret of processing everything through a leadership lens. And if you wanted, like I've been write it down in, in, in a blog post. OK, that ultimately that for last year ultimately became a book. OK. Yeah. Let's say, Jeff, I go to your church this Sunday and it's a you know, it's Living Hope Wesleyan. Right. Don't want to misquote. Yes, okay. Yeah. So I go to Living Hope Wesleyan and it's just a great service. I mean, God moved. Uh, I was challenged. I learned, you know, my heart got connected to God. It was a worshipful experience. The average person will then leave, get in the car with their spouse and go, that's a good service. And then yeah. they'll go on, go to lunch and just go about their day. The secret to looking at everything through the leadership lens is all genius is in the law of the second and third question. Yeah. Okay. So if I go, that's a good service. Why was it a great service? Specifically what made it a great service? And then you begin to start looking at it chronologically. Oh, well, when I got to the parking lot, the parking team did this. And then when I walked in, the greeter did this. And they were playing this type of music. And the people were so friendly. And then the opening song communicated this. And then when we ultimately then got it. Oh, by the way, I, I'm older now. If I was like your age or younger. Oh, well, when we dropped our daughter off at check-in. Right, right. Oh, that's a big one. Okay. That because if you love what I love, I'll love what you love. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you, you know, all of that with the kids and, and then at the end, you just really kind of break down. Wow. These are all the things that made it such a great day. Well, that's your blog post. Mm, that's good. And everybody looks at you and goes, my heavens, how'd you get out of all that? Well, I was just aware and I took I took literally less than five minutes to ask a second question. What made it such a great Sunday? Yeah, that's so important. That's something as a communicator I'm learning to give handles and tools, something they can hold on to, but something practical they can apply in their own life. And I think at times we just are so inundated with information that we're like, oh, that resonated with my feeling. And so mm -hmm. for that moment, I had that 
that rush, but I need to do more with it. And uh, Brian, thank you so much for making the time. Brian Dodd on leadership.com. You can follow him on Twitter, Brian K. Dodd. Instagram, it's Brian Dodd on leadership. Uh, get a copy of the leadership course, two minute or timeless and uh, the newest book, 2021 the year in leadership. I actually have mine ordered on Amazon and it should arrive uh, shortly. So I'm excited for the release and for everything that you're doing. But Brian, final question for you. You mentioned that you had a daughter, you have a daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at the time in which we live, being a leadership guru yourself, are you concerned or more excited for the future of your daughter? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. It is the answer is both, you know, I mean, you know, because here's the deal. I grew up in the seventies and eighties and I did grow up in the era that the, you know, the, the bad things were sticking bubble gum under, you know, roll. No, I'm sorry. Back then, uh, you, you know, rolling houses with toilet paper. I mean, that boy, if you did that, you were a rebel. I mean, you're out there. Okay. You know, it's it's time to get the police involved. I mean, that you know, I grew up in that era. Kids today are facing a whole different world than that. In that sense, it scares you to death as a parent. Uh, you, you know, you're always aware. I've told Anna many times, I'm not scared when she leaves the house. You know, she's 23 now, so she's staying out later than she did when she was younger. You're not scared, but you're always aware. Hmm. Okay. In that sense, yeah, I'm not as hopeful. But in another sense, these kids coming up today, they were made for such a time as this. Yes. And in that sense, I'm very hopeful for the future. Um, and, and I'll tell you this, you know, my daughter's 23. She's been leading worship since she was, I don't want to misquote it. If I'm off here, she'll correct me. But I, I'd say I'd say she's been leading adults in worship for going on 10 years now, mm-hmm. probably eight, seven, eight years. OK, well, I can tell you what, at 23, I wasn't doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, so, yeah, their talent and their skill compared to what my generation was at that age. Oh, we're, we're not in their ballpark. Well, I agree. Even what I am now. And uh, today is my son's 20th birthday. My daughter's 18. She's about to graduate in a month or so. And so letting him go is difficult, but uh, so grateful that we have a heavenly father that loves him even more than we do. And uh, we lead, but uh, we lead as we follow Jesus. And so, Brian, thank you so much for your time today. Hey, let me tell you this, because we've all had kids graduate. If you don't have my personal mailing address, uh, I'll get it to you. She Please. needs to send me an announcement because we know what that really means. Yeah, That means there's going to be a check coming back in her direction. <laughs> and if I can invest in the Fuller youth and uh, the next generation of Fullers, I would be absolutely honored. So make sure she sends me an announcement. So We'll, we'll definitely uh, do that. But Brian, thank you so much. Um, and if it isn't... Uh too inconvenient i think it'd be fine but could you just uh close this time in prayer and just pray for wisdom as uh we try to lead our community closer to jesus here in in the state of vermont yeah definitely lord we love you and uh i can't thank you enough for pastor jeff he has become a dear friend over the years and he mentioned jeff perlman earlier and lord you used him to connect me with jeff perlman that would never have happened without uh pastor jeff and i do pray for him i pray for 
his two children, 18 and 20 years old, his daughter's graduating. I just pray for their future. I pray for their spouses that you're preparing for them and just preparing, praying for how you're going to use them. And I do pray for the state of Vermont. And I am so grateful and hopeful for that state because you've got churches like Living Hope in it. And so, Lord, I just pray that this Easter will be the start of a great revival in Vermont and uh, that you'll just change thousands and thousands of lives for you. And uh, Lord, Vermont will just lead the way in this nation uh, from a Christian standpoint. And so, Lord, I just uh, pray for all that. Thank you for Jeff. Thank you for this resource. Thank you for technology and how people like Jeff are using it for good. And we just ask all this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hey, Brian, thanks so much. And uh, Living Hope Wesleyan, you can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes at Living Hope Wesleyan. Thanks, everybody.